Say Something, a video podcast so you can listen and watch. It's like sports talk or news talk, but it's life talk to help us walk the road together. I'm Kay, and thanks for joining me and a few of my friends as we contemplate societal issues and ideas, searching for truth so that together we can say something encouraging to folks walking alongside. Melissa G. Rabian, Food Network star and New York Times bestselling author, chats with us about the powerful way food can play a role in our relationships, not only with people traveling alongside, but with ourselves and with God. Food, at least three times a day, every day, crosses our path, often without notice, but for some with heavy shoulds and don'ts. But what if we could see and experience all the goodness, creativity, life, and beauty that comes with food? We are grateful to Melissa, whose professional world centers on food, has contemplated and shared about this powerful topic in her latest book, Tasting Grace, and with us. Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. Okay. And so we are, we are actually driving uh, over to the hotel for our sweet friend, Melissa Duravian, who is in town. Celebrity chef, television host, best-selling author, speaker, writer, and mom of four, Melissa Duravian is an expert on affordable and healthy family home cooking. Her New York Times best-selling cookbooks have helped thousands of families prepare easy, healthy meals. Now, in her newest book, Tasting Grace, she shares how food not only fills the stomach, but also the soul. Find Melissa at melissadarabian.net or at melissadarabian on Instagram to um, share about her new book. It's so, so great. It's called Tasting Grace. And here's Hello. Cynthia Yanoff hey, with uh, Part in the Mess. So um, Melissa was in town last night for an event that we put on with a few other ministries and platforms. And it was just it was such an encouraging night. And so we just figured why not continue the encouragement and um, be able to share it with more people. So we're excited yes. you're here. We're excited for the people that could come. Yes. And, um, and so... Melissa. Yes. What made you want to write a book outside of the cookbook yes. realm? But I love that it has to do with food because that's a part of what your life is. Well, it's a huge, yeah. it's part of all of our lives, right? Yes. But it's really a part of my career life too. Mm -hmm. um, but also my life as a woman, my life as a mom feeding kids. Um, and so I've been working in food now for over a decade. And, um, and I, I wanted to explore... Um, what God had to say about food. I know what society is saying about food because I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of food culture. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and, and I wanted to lean into what is God saying about food and, and, um, and how does that inform how I think about food and how I act around food. Um, and so I spent a couple of years reading the Bible, praying, um, just marinating in this idea of what does God say about food versus what is society saying about food and what does that mean for me and I discovered much to my surprise that um, that God has so much good news in food uh -huh. and is using it to draw us closer to him and and yet I found that there were some attitudes about food and, and I'm referring even to my own yeah. that were kind of blocking me from those invitations and um so um that's that's what i explored for several years yeah because it's so interesting even thinking about there was a, a gal that stopped me and just even was talking about the ingredients like the fact mm -hmm. that you go down to these levels of just like taking food out of a context that you always know it to be and almost like it's a non-event because you have to do it every day and so you don't really even mm -hmm. think about it and about the ingredients not only in the food 
but how that even takes it to a, a, a wider story of being ingredients in so many things within your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, food is gives us a tiny glimpse into the bigger story that yeah. God has for us and his generosity. And his generosity in our food system, I think, is um, a small glimpse into that deeper generosity. Um, and I think that we can so quickly overlook it and just kind of keep going. Um, you know, you mentioned the ingredients. Um, one of the chapters in Taste and Grace that I write about is um, is it our ingredients? I write about ingredients, and um, and how that invited me into creativity. Ooh, so that, and we are all creators, yeah. right? Because we are made in the image of our ultimate creator. Yeah. And um, and so seeing ingredients as an opportunity to celebrate creation and create and continue the creation that God has made. Um, was really a shift in thinking for me. And in, in Tasting Grace, I, I talk about this invitation into creation within the context of my life on Food Network Star. Yes. And sort of what it was like to be on a reality TV show yes. and to be cooking and under a lot of stress. And, um, and so in that whirlwind of all those crazy things, the media storm and the, the cameras and the stress and everything, I, I could either get kind of sucked up into that and be, you know, flailed about in that whirlwind, or I could fix my eyes upon something that was solid and true and unmoving. And for me, that was God. So in my Food Network Star experience, my mantra became just get to the ingredients because really? God is in the ingredients. I will find God hey, in the ingredients. That's so cool because it had to dial down the stress it, enormously. Well, it, it, it did. It dialed down the stress, um, but it also um, shifted it from, uh, I got to cook to win a TV show. To, like the performance yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. It, it shifted it into really, um, you know, cooking for an audience of one and, and cooking not just for God, but with God. And, and, and you mentioned earlier how that's ingredients that they sort of speak to a, a bigger life truth that it goes outside of the scope of just food. Yeah. Even in that, you know, Food Network Star sort of taught me the joy of cooking with God, not just for him. But that's also true for life, yeah. right? Because we don't want to, the, the joy of living with God is so much deeper than just living a life even for him, yeah. which is yeah. easy to do, right? Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, we can go out on like a book like this. Like, oh, I'm doing it to, you know, to, you know, to share God's love. But if I'm not doing it with God, but just for him, that's a, it's a different level. That's yeah. a different, yeah. it's a different joy, yeah. isn't it? What did you find? Mm -hmm. I think, yes, that's so good. And I, I was curious, when you said you went back and kind of went through the Bible and looked at food, I mean, food is so prevalent throughout the Bible. I mean, starting with Adam and Eve, but mm -hmm. Jesus' first miracle revolved around wine, right? Was there... And food, a feast. Uh -huh. Right. And so was there, well, the Lord's Supper, oh, yeah. Is there a theme you found that kind of gave you a little bit of understanding or a little deeper... How did that mold or shape your faith a little bit when you looked into that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and that's, that was actually where I went first, was to look in the Bible. And, and my, the first place I looked was places where I knew that food was. Right. Yeah, I, so I kind of immediately went to, like, Adam and, um, and sort of explored that, um, you know, that exchange. And there were so many 
truths that came out of exploring that, um, you know, that early exchange, you know, um, in the invitation into work, um, which you know, Adam was was told to tend to the garden yeah. pre-fall. So the, the, the takeaway for me is that work is good yeah. and it's worthy. And so when we as a society sort of shun any time in the kitchen and sort of say, well, just, you know, get the fastest thing going all the time, um, we just, we forget that work is actually worthy and it's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean we need to make a big, huge meal every single day all the time or, or you know, put in a lot of work no, and it's stress. any time. You know, because yeah, you do, is. and the beauty of eating three times a day, I mean, it's not like it right. goes away. Yes, yeah, and it's, it's sort it's of constant. like, I tell the kids, I mean, it's like the laundry will continue to come. Like, I'm sorry you did it and you put it away in the dishwasher. Right. More, I mean, yes. it never ends. And so, Same I think with dinner. Yes. it is. Yeah, and you got to eat again today. But ah. it goes so far, and so I love that you're going to that aspect of the worthiness of the work, whatever it is, and whenever it is, absolutely which is significant. And 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 I also want people to hear that even though the work is worthy, um, you know, my call is not one of being the food police that you need to be making. <laughs> you know, it's you no. know, I mean, life is modern and busy, and all of those things, but. If we can just reframe some of that work as being worthy, it might change how we feel. You speaking of that about bringing joy back to the dinner table. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us that are listening are interested in that because I can speak for one as someone that it is, it becomes a task. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you talk about bringing joy back into the work of cooking. Um, you know, there's also bringing joy back into the patience of our food system. Yeah. That it takes a long time for, you know, a tomato to grow. That's a great point. Or for, you know, stew mm -hmm. to stew or for us to set the table or whatever. Um, and if we can see all of these things as invitations and maybe not flaws of the food system, but perhaps features of the food system, um, it can help bring a little bit of that joy back. Now, that doesn't mean that we are always going to enjoy putting dinner on the table every single night and not feel like, ah, you know. And if we are at least aware of those invitations, even if we don't, even if we still are thinking, oh, now I gotta do the work of the dishes or the whatever, the good news is, yeah, you still gotta do the dishes, um, but the good news is you are going to feel the generosity of God. It's so true. Um, when we get in touch with how generous our yeah. God is um, to us, and I'm talking about also you know in life, um, but also in food and how He created food, um, and the delight and joy that He has. Mm -hmm created in this food system, which by the way, he could have created any which way and he made it delicious. Yeah. Um, when we are really in touch with the generosity behind the food system that God has given us, um, it changes our posture mm -hmm. from one of taking yeah. and entitlement and I shouldn't have to spend a half an hour, you know, doing dishes and putting yeah. things out and whatever. Um, it changes our posture from one of taking to one of receiving. And will that make every single meal you ever make, you know, a total joy to do and clean up after? No, but do I think it will change it fundamentally in a small way? I actually do. I think that that's, that's why I wrote the book, because there are so many invitations, invitation into work, invitation into mm -hmm. patience, invitation into, 
you know, humility, gratitude, um, gratitude and into um, service. Yeah, into yeah. the service of hospitality. There's so many invitations um, in our food system that we are just glossing by. Yeah. And 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 while I would argue, you know, we we owe God more than that. I I would also argue that. You don't even need to look at these invitations because it's the right thing to do. Um, although it is, right? You know, it's it's good to glorify God. But I would say you're going to bring the joy back. Yes. Um, you, my hope is, is that after reading Tasting Grace, people will like their food more, will will find greater joy in it, will more deeply find the invitations, the gratitude, and the joy mm -hmm. that God is aching to give us through food. And so I, my hope is that people love food more and more deeply and are more connected to other people and, and to God um, after reading. That's, that's it's, my hope. And it's so good. And I love that you kind of speak into the fact that we've twisted around in culture because we've made it all about body image and dieting and what's good for us and what's not. And I think you used an example I heard talking about, you know, you can't eat, uh, what was it, a tomato because right, yeah. it has too many calories, but I'm going to drink a blue drink that has no calories. And how we have, we've twisted that around. Mm -hmm. How do you, with your kids, how, and, and, and tell us a little bit about your kids too, so everybody knows, but how do you kind of... Mm -hmm feed into this of what food is and the value of it and, and not, especially with girls, not letting it become something it's mm. not meant to be. How do you, are you uh, intentional about that? That is so yeah. hard. Um, I have four daughters that are all, um, four teenage daughters. And so they are in the thick, they um, are in the thick these, of it. these mixed messages. Yes. Four um, teenage daughters. I just need to make sure everybody paused on that yeah, for a minute. Yeah. Four. Well, and I will, in, in, in all truth, the last two are preteens. So they're That's 14, okay. 13, 12, 12. That counts. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, how to navigate that. That's so hard. Um, so, one, I... I I have to remind myself that I am I am not the food police, right? Yeah. That I'm not in mm -hmm. charge of fixing everybody's, you know, food issues, mine included. Um, and that there's so much grace, you know, the the there's an invitation into grace with God, right? Yeah. So we don't have to do any of it perfectly at all. Um, I think the best that I can do um, is model what I want them to believe. Um, because what we say about ourselves, we start to believe. That's such a great point. So and and what self messaging? What yes, and what and what my kids hear me say about myself, they start to believe that that must be true for them. For them as well. For them as well. So um, that is probably the best I can do. It is okay, not perfect. That's yeah. that's like that's right. I mean. It's so huge because you, you mentioned earlier when we were together even this morning about a friend of yours that calls you on the mat, which is part yeah. of walking. I mean, we walk the road together for a reason because right. we need each other. And share what your friend does when the negative self-messaging is hitting you. Right, right. Because I, I, I'm yourself. I can very Because we're easily, the worst. Yes, we yes. are so rough on ourselves. Um, and I will be the first to... Yeah, it was, you know, say, oh, I've got childbearing kids, like, long before I ever had children, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, the the things that I say about myself, 
um, which I think are, you know, just sort of harmless little self-deprecating yes, remarks. Yes, because it's like a self-deprecation in yes. some weird in some weird I don't know. way. Yeah. And so my girlfriend Karen, who I've been uh, uh, close friends with for 25 years, um, she says to me, you know, I don't, I don't like the way you're talking about my dear friend. And the first time she ever said that to me, you know, 20 some years ago, I was like, wait, what? Are you like what friend? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, and I was like, who are we talking you? about? Well, I'm not talking about someone else. We're talking about me. <laughs> um, and, and she said something, she, by saying that, that kind of got my attention. And she yeah. said, I would never let someone else talk that way about you without me jumping so in to good. defend you. Oh, and so she yeah. said, that, that includes you. You are not, if you talk that way about you, I'm also going to jump in yeah. and and call it out. And um, what a great was, way to handle it with our kids, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, I would love or to hear yes. any of your friends. Yes. I just so think that's ourselves. so powerful. Uh, you know, right? Our friends, yes. ourselves, or anything. Yes. yes. Now, I'm just going to talk about the, the flip side because one of the themes of Tasty Grace yeah. is talking a little bit about those half truths yes. that we, uh, we can so easily go down slippery slope of yeah. half truths into it's really like little ugly spaces all yeah. around and that's that's where satan does his best work right is in half truths yeah because it sounds pretty good you're like yeah. well i do kind of believe some of that so yes so there i mean there is something to be said for we are not meant to be gluttonous we are meant to move our bodies and now i'm speaking about the body image and exercise and food and how that all fits in so we are not meant to have huge quantities of you know, of sugar, and you know, we are we are not meant to do all of that. We are not meant to be gluttonous. Um, but what happens is we start out with this good heart of like, oh, I want to eat healthy, and I want to go to the gym, and I want to move my body, and these are all great, wonderful things. Moving our bodies is glorifying the body that we've been given. I mean, yeah, that's, there's something wonderful just about even that. walking. I mean, it right? doesn't have to. Yeah, just but but, yeah. but what happens is that. That little, that little truth gets layered on with some lies from Satan and society, and and next thing you know, we're actually not moving our bodies out of glorifying God, but we're moving bodies because we feel guilty that we had a piece of pumpkin pie yesterday at Thanksgiving dinner, and so we get into this world of guilt and shame and feeling like. We need to punish ourselves. We even have language around that. Like, oh, I was so good today. Yeah. I'm gonna have an oh, I know this is so bad, I shouldn't, but here I go. You know, this this idea of shame um, around our moving our bodies and food is nowhere in the Bible that I could find. Yeah. And and so the really good news that I found in um, in reading and researching Tasty Grace was um, was that it's all gentle wonderful invitations and it's it's joyful generosity from from our creator it's not um, it's not he's he's not wagging his finger at us That's and um, and I love that because I wag the finger so easily um, yeah. to me and who am I if, if, if I Jesus isn't a finger wagger who am I who to be I? a finger wagger I just think it's hard for people to believe just the worth and their identity mm-hmm. as the way that, that God has given it given yeah. it to us. And um, and I think so much of that is that we live in a performance-based society. And yes. I'm just going to say, especially dealing with food or meals or things mm-hmm. like that. And so how do you address the performance issue? 
But we've, we've taken another wonderful truth, which is that we are called in the Bible to be hospitable, right? To, um, to welcome the stranger. Yes, because it's so right? fun because it, again, involves those things like service. Yes, and, yes. and, you, um, and it, it, service. it feels good to serve. Yeah. And um, and we are called to do that. So it all starts out with this like pure heart. And look, I, I keep doing this whenever I say well, heart. But, but it's like that. Yet another slippery slope, though. You know, it's a total slippery <laughs> slope. Because we start out like wanting to serve and, and create meals for people and make them feel special. But somewhere along that slippery slope, somewhere along that path. We are actually performing and yeah. hoping to impress people, Makes it about not us. welcome them. Yeah. And that's when it becomes about us and about impressing. And and then our language changes, and so the language becomes, you know, um, uh, you know, impress your friends with this recipe, or you know, going on to you know Pinterest to find like the recipe that will be super impressive and whatever. And listen, there's nothing wrong with Pinterest, and there's nothing wrong with great recipes that or that making a great meal. No, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. But it's a slippery slope that we are just, we're just ignoring. Yeah. And then our language is matching where our hearts are yeah. um, with language like, you know, we're, um, yes. we're being, uh, you know, we're being, um, uh, we're impressing our friends. We're going to, you know, have them come I mean, impressing is the language of separation. And food is not about separation. It's not about division. It's about unification bringing and bringing people together. Okay, so can we go just a little further on this one? Because I think it's so interesting. In so many aspects and capacities of life, you have this performance issue that is... Yes eating people alive uh -huh, it right. just is okay so in your world uh -huh. every single day 365 days a year you have three times to practice every single day not doing the performance thing uh -huh. and how cool to pave that path based on just you know because when you practice it it becomes a part of you yes you know yes oh I love that you bring up practice uh, because our meals who we are at a meal um, gives us a lot of practice mm -hmm. for who we're going to be outside yeah. of our meals. So when we say grace, yes. we are practicing gratitude. When we yes. when we do the work of sitting down and and taking time out, we are practicing. We're practicing a work and ethic. Talking to each other. Yes, yeah. we're practicing those things. So there is a um, you know it's sort of like a, a, a sacred microcosm, if you will, of the whole yeah. bigger world. Yes. And by the way, it's also so it's a glimpse. You know, our, our dining room table and who we are around a dining room table um, is a small glimpse into you know who we are in the world. Yeah. But it's also a small glimpse into um, into the ultimate banquet and feast yes. um, that we are promised so it's just so, so powerful yeah it is so powerful and um, even even taking a bite of a granola bar on the go because listen life is busy there we can we can if we take a moment just to even to consider the ingredients and yeah. who was involved we can find the invitations yeah. and the joy mm -hmm. in in even that yeah and yeah. even that so it's not you know to um just sort of say well we'll wait for the farm to table uh big dinner that we're all sitting around a bit yeah to wait for that is is to miss the point mm, yeah um right and just coming from such a place i love that you're saying come from a place of gratitude one that we mm. have the food but two that we're we have the opportunity to prepare yes. for our family that we can serve others we can serve the lord in doing that that all of it comes from him it's his love 
that yes. by, it's his way of loving us that he, like you said, it, that he gave it taste and the food is so good. And I mean, it just gives you, it's just got so many legs yes. on it. I yes. think that it's just hugely deep and I don't I think too. we think about it No, because, because yes. it's just a part of everyday stuff. And so you don't think about it. And well, in so many of the books and so much of what's out there is all related around maybe some of the more negative aspects of food and dieting and all of that. And yeah, so that's it's a interesting. Great point. Now I have a question now, how does this all work in with you doing food network where it is a performance <laughs> because uh -huh. by virtue of entertaining people. And so like, how, how do you work through that? And, and how has food, how has that opportunity on food network also played into your views? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, um, it's funny that you said that about um, that Food Network. You this saw you were saying, well, because like, that, like, sort of by definition, I'm now I'm misquoting you, but, um, but by definition, that is performance. And it's funny when you said that, I thought, oh, huh? Because I, right, 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 well, what is interesting is I really think of it as more teaching. Huh. Um, yes. And so yeah. I, I think of myself more as a teacher yeah. up there, and sense. than um, a performer. Um, that said, it is, I mean, right, that is a slippery slope. And, and, and I just want to sort of pick up on that thread of performance and sort of say, listen, um, the other thing is performance isn't bad. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I go and watch a ballet and it's mm -hmm. amazing mm -hmm. and it's wonderful. I go to, yeah. uh, my friend right. Richard Blaze is a great right. chef. I love watching him do his art and put it on a plate. I love all yeah. of that. There's nothing wrong there with performance. Isn't. We should be celebrating and artistic and, you know, there's, there's such beauty in that. The slippery slope is performance becoming the proxy for hospitality. Absolutely, that's and that's somehow, that's the slippery slope. I, making it identify you mm -hmm. and your worth. Oh, okay. Yes, that's yes. What, what sure. I hear you yeah. saying is exit mm -hmm. the performance when it's somehow opining on your worth. <laughs> like, don't do that. But right. to be able, to, I think. I think the beauty of even serving a nice meal is the respect that you're giving the people that are there and actually thinking about them, mm -hmm. and it's fun. Mm -hmm. And knowing mm -hmm. that people people just like to be together. They like to uh -huh. be invited. You know? And you're giving them multiple gifts. You're giving them the gift of generosity. I mean, you're spending your money. You're giving them time. You're opening your home. You're. I mean, there's so many yeah, levels people that people just want to be invited. It, they do. Yeah. They do. And 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 now we're kind of talking about multiple things, which yes, is like which performance is and, because and we're art. In traffic. But yeah, well. That's <laughs> So it sounds like we got time. We've got time. Settle in. Um, yes, I'm looking ahead. We've got plenty of time. So go get a cup of We're coffee. We'll still be book here. Out. Is this going to be <laughs> yes. audio in a second? Yes. I'm going to read every chapter. Forget audio books. And then we're going to ask about every Food Network star, so it's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah, let's just go through the whole, the whole list. Yes. But, um, but performance and artistry and all of that is wonderful. And it's amazing. Um, but... It, you know, having people in our homes is really, mm. it's, it's, it's different. No, completely right? different. Yes. And, um, and, and finding our identities and our worth in how well we perform, um, you know, whether we get the part or not get the part or, do, you know, whatever, get the Michelin star or not get the Michelin star. Those are some of the slippery slopes of really good things. And I want to, I know I keep saying about the slippery slope, but that's, that's where a lot of this is. It's in this, we're not talking about bad things that you need to avoid. I'm, I'm instead saying, oh, there are some really good things here, but we're in some slippery slopes and, um, and sort of calling those yes, being out aware. so we know. So we yeah. know. And, and we, putting we, them in their place. Full perspective That's on right. what we're dealing with. Yeah. 
would you mind sharing, I thought it was sweet, I read it in your book, um, the story about how the people in the lunchroom in grade school really spoke into you. And I thought that yes. was a beautiful example of hospitality and generosity in a lot of levels. But I would love for you to share that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, um, um, the, actually, the first chapter in, in Tasting Grace is um, the chapter about my experience um, as being, uh, my, my experience being a hungry child in the lunchroom. And, um, and I talk about how the lunchroom was really a place where I first understood that we were poor. Um, I was poor growing up, but I didn't know it really because like many children, I just assumed that my experience was the same as everybody's experience, yes, yeah. right? And, um, and when I went into my school lunchroom, I realized that that was not the case. That's where I realized that I was poor and I didn't because always... Because of the pecking order in the lunchroom? There's just, you know, there is, there's an unofficial, right? Mm -hmm. Subtle pecking order that probably most people wouldn't recognize. Which yes. was so, Unless you're at the bottom of it. Which was so And then you, you said that, you're like, <laughs> even like Ziploc bags, like the way yeah. you describe it, read the book. Mm -hmm. But I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never thought about the yeah, fact. Yeah, because you wouldn't think about it. Yeah. And no. the notes, and the notes, even in the lunch bag. Like notes in the yeah. lunch bag, um, like 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 Ziploc bags that, not even the fold-over ones, but like the ones that with actual, the actual zips on them. Um, you know, foil. Foil was something we reused over and over and over again, and like we would never pack a lunch in foil. Yeah. Um, and you know, even just the heft of the 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 lunch itself, you know, mine was always just very flimsy and, um, and light, you know, physically light. And, um, and then, you know, then the hot lunch kids sort of sat in one area of the, of the lunchroom, um, which, so there just was, there was a hierarchy, an unspoken hierarchy, um, that I, you're not aware of unless you are at the bottom of that hierarchy. And, That's and so that actually is, I believe, true in life it right is. you often mm -hmm. don't see the hierarchy unless you are limited unless by it. it well um, in that lunchroom i mean i encountered so many people who were the hands and feet of jesus and i talk about um one girl katie rudder um i have no idea where she is in this world but um but katie um but katie she always had a little bag of fritos she brought to school every day like as part of her lunch and she would always share them with me and she had no idea that I would be really excited to have some Fritos because it was like part of my lunch like my physical lunch for my stomach you know she thought she was just sharing salty salty Fritos and she didn't just share her Fritos she didn't just give me food she gave me a place at the table and she allowed me to sit with her and share her life and we were classmates and and I think about how Jesus he fed people for sure in, in, in miraculous beautiful big and bold ways but he didn't just feed people he ate with people he ate with the tax collector he invited them to the table and so this idea that um, that we would not only be called to feed others and to share and to have compassion. Um, you know, much like even you know the Israelites um, upon their escape from Egypt, when you know God gives them the manna and says, "Everyone collect according to your needs," and then to share with those who don't have enough. Um, we are we are called to share. 
but we are also called to share the table space and to eat with. And this idea of that compassion and this idea that ultimately really we are actually all being hosted by God. So it's if if we are just the 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 the, the call to sharing food and hosting and being Jesus like when it comes to compassion and food is not just to give away food, um, but it's also to eat with people. And it's not just to eat with people in a way that we are always the host. If I am always the host and I am always staffing the table that is yeah. inviting people in, then I don't believe that I'm really fully, fully leaning into what Jesus did when he ate with people side by side, shoulder to shoulder at tables. So I believe it's also a call to go to other people's tables and not just invite into my own. Um, so I love, I love that, I love that story. Um, it's the story that when I've done readings and when I did the audiobook, it's the story that still now I still, I still cry every time I read it aloud. It's sweet. It's so, just got so many layers of yeah. levels of. I want, I want my kids to be the one that shares, but I also want yes. my kids to bring that person to the table. Yes. And I want to do that. And when yeah. I make it all about me and performance or, or all these things, we make food that it's not. We don't yes. have these opportunities to serve well and to love well and to invite people to the table. So anyway, yes. that's a great word. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you for you. bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for the, you. For the great word that you've shared. Yeah. And even that today, you can have a meal with somebody. You can have a snack with whoever's sitting next to you or even a or even a copy and to let it just yeah. to sink into the beauty of walking alongside each other engaging in this beautiful part of creation that the Lord has given us yeah. and just to say a good word to someone today so we, yes. we just thank, thank you so much yes. thank you thank you until next time our very special thanks to Melissa D'Arabian. Find Melissa at melissadarabian.net and to Cynthia Yanoff with Pardon the Mess podcast. And be sure to check out Melissa's new book, Tasting Grace, Discovering the Power of Food to Connect Us to God, One Another, and Ourselves. And thank you. Want to stay connected? Visit SaySomethingShow.com and sign up to our mailing list. Or be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or listen on Apple Podcasts. See you next time on Say Something.